Good afternoon and welcome to Regarding ID, the podcast series. I'm your host, Chris Corum, executive editor of Regarding ID magazine. And today we're in Austin, Texas at the home of AtSec, a global leader in security conformance testing for identity products and all kinds of IT-related products. We're joined by Steve Weingart, Austin Holt, and Fiona Pattinson of AtSec. And we're going to learn about what goes on at the laboratories here and, and just what it takes to get a product certified for various government and, and worldwide standards. But before we get started, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. Picture a unique identity. Imagine that identity turning into one unique credential. Envision using that credential to enter facilities and log on to networks and applications. Diebold's Credential One solution mitigates the complexity and risks of managing multiple identities. Think one credential, multiple uses. Think Diebold Credential One. To learn more, visit www.credentialone.com. When we hear about product testing and certifications and testing labs and things like common criteria and 140-2 and all these different certifications out there, most of us, most of you listeners actually probably think that doesn't have anything to do with me. That's got to do with the the company that's making my card or the company that's writing my application or providing my security infrastructure. But I would bet that the group sitting around the table here would argue that it does have something to do with the end issuer of the technology and or the end user of the technology. Yeah, you're exactly right. In fact, that's become – some of the standards have started to very quickly creep out into the rest of the uh, business community. For example, I think FIPS 140, because it's one of the older standards, um, definitely has been taken up. For example, PCI requires that any hardware cryptographic devices used have to be uh, 140-2 validated. Um, the Digital Cinema Initiative, DCI, also requires that you be FIPS 140 validated for anything in the new digital cinema, which is what's going to be taking over all, all of the movie theaters. Ultimately, they will no longer ship film. They'll ship a small hard drive. So instead of 230 pounds of film, it's one pound of disc. So there are a number of industries that are adopting these standards um, for several reasons. One, it's great to have third-party um, testing and validation of the security so that you don't always have to believe the creator of the product that they got it right and they take their word for it. They've gone the extra step and gone to an independent third party and had that work verified. So all of these standards um, are useful in that if you choose um, an SCAP validated um, malware scanner, you know that it's been tested and it's not just something that a couple people threw together and you don't know where they're getting their, their source data from. You know that they're using a validated source stream and you know that their, their output is going to be conformant to the standards. So all these things help give you greater peace of mind with the products you buy and use. Perfect answer. That's what I was hoping for. So it's it's protecting our it's protecting our systems. It's protecting our payments in the case of PCI products. It's protecting our identity documents. So it's a it's a key process or part of the process that we we don't see as consumers all the time. And yet it's good to know that it's behind the scenes and happening. For the listeners who aren't a hundred percent clear of what each of the different types of areas you talk about can, can or, or you investigate, can somebody go through and give a an ultra-high-level description of what is 140 testing, what's FIPS 201, what's SCAP. Okay, so we have the, the different standards. Common criteria is 
one of the, the largest worldwide accepted security standards, and it's an evaluation as opposed to a conformance test, which is kind of unique in that a security target is developed and then um, we mix that with the requirements at each of the assurance levels and do an evaluation for the customer at that level. The NIST um, tests are all conformance tests, so FIPS 140 is a test for cryptographic devices and the use of cryptography, so that's a conformance test that we make sure their algorithms are correct and that their protocols are, are correct. The SCAP testing is part of the new FISMA testing, FISMA suite, and it's generally testing of software that checks for configuration and malware and other things in, in your systems and networks, and we are making sure that these scanners and testers all conform um, to the government standards. The GSA PIV testing and NIST 201 testing are basically for identity. Um, the the PIV from GSA is all very um, specific conformance testing for specific devices and services such as card readers and cards. The uh, NIST 201 um, testing is usually for uh, card apps or middleware, and that's the certification process, again, to make sure that they do the right thing. Give our listeners an idea. When somebody comes in with a product and says, hey, ATSEC, we'd like you to perform our testing for us and, and, and get our certifications in place, what happens? How, do you, how, does that, how does that process kind of unfold? Right. So when we get a request, once there's a concrete idea of what we're looking at, uh, then we would go through the process of delivering a proposal to the customer, which would outline the process and, and how uh, the time scale and, and all the monetary terms and things like that. And from there, uh, we would be using the GSA approval pr process or procedures for each of the uh, categories of products or services that are proposed to be evaluated. And that will involve uh, evaluation of the products, uh, testing that have already been done by the customer, and also their their documentation, and, and also some testing on our side. So it's a two-part process of evaluating and testing the customer's product. Nobody ever wants to talk about time frames, but is there a, a general ballpark in, in how long something takes, maybe specifically in the FIPS 201 world since that's what we were talking about there, but in other processes, is, it, you know, for, is a common criteria certification going to take years or does it take months? You know, I think m few of us have had to, or maybe had to is not the right thing, few of us have, have, have had the opportunity to live through this like you all have. So, Well, um, common criteria, of course, uh, is a, a, a very uh, all-encompassing uh, standard. Um, we evaluate uh, product or, or can evaluate products uh, from um, ZOS, uh, an IBM mainframe uh, operating system, um, we do a lot of Linux, and uh, the, the the common criteria will, will help evaluate uh, even passport chips um, and um, uh, operating systems for, for smart cards. So, um, because it's so complex, it can take quite a while, um, uh, certainly uh, up to uh, a year, a year and a half, um, is quite a, a substantial uh, project, uh, and it can take that long. Um, but I think uh, one misconception is that it always must take that long. Um, that's not true. 
as we work with a customer, we'll, we'll develop their process, their certification process, help them uh, develop their, uh, their development process, and uh, with um, subsequent evaluations, we'll often see the time frame being cut in a factor of two or more. FIPS 140-2, um, as well as common criteria, um, is characterised by a fairly significant uh, uh, delay on, on, on resources in the, the validation agencies um, in, in terms of how long it will take them to validate the work that the laboratory has done. When we're talking about uh, GSA and FIPS 201, um, it's a, a very much more uh, refined process. Typically, these products or, or the testing we have to do is uh, simpler. And Steve, I think you can explain the, the timescales involved there a little bit. Sure. With the uh, GSA PIV process, um, all the tests are actually lockstepped. You have to work within the, uh, the GSA's framework and typically all the tests are going to be completed in a one to two week period and a one or so week uh, turnaround time by the GSA. So they're pretty fast. Uh, we know the SCAP office is also turning around pretty quickly. And so in these tests, and even including FIPS 140, we generally fit into the cracks in the customer's time um, for our part of it and our testing. Uh, we, we add usually just a few weeks as opposed to months um, on the other hand, and in, with the SCAP and, and GSA stuff, the turnaround from the agency is only a couple of weeks, so that all goes very quickly. If you make a mistake and you've finished your development process, then the cost to fix that problem or, or bring the product back into compliance, at least, can be very high. It can mean a whole development cycle. Um, you know, it, it can mean changing hardware or firmware. Uh, it can be, be very expensive. For that reason, we recommend, especially on the more complex standards, that you involve your laboratory much earlier in the process, give them the chance to, to do their gap analysis, their, their readiness assessment, um, to talk to your engineers and your technical people and get familiar with your product. Um, if they can identify something that you can can change or fix early in your development process, then you're going to have the opportunity to save money. You do not use an identity product on its own. It's part of a system. Uh, it, it, it's, yes, it's the RFID, it's, it's the, the smart card chip, it's uh, all, all the component technologies brought together. It then becomes part of a system. The readers come into play, um, all the other devices, we're looking at biometrics, we're looking at how we enroll cards, we're looking at how uh, cards' uh, end of life will happen and, and the whole life process within. For every part of, of, of that system, for every component, even completely uh, up to the, the system itself, you need to be, you need to be sure of your, your security. Um, so whether we're doing a common criteria uh, certification of a chip or, or we're looking at, at the cryptography in, involved perhaps in, in one of the, the system components there or we're looking at um, 
the readers and, and, and the other component, or we're looking to certify the whole uh, system. We're looking at perhaps FISMA and, and their um, accreditation and, and certification process, or, or or internationally maybe an ISO 27001 uh, certification. At every level of abstraction, you need to be sure of your security and the risks and the threats involved at every level. That's why we have uh, so many different certifications and why uh, here at APSEC uh, we, we're competent in that whole view from the, from the high-level system down to uh, the chip. Well, and I'm glad that you guys are doing that because it's way beyond me, even, even some of the terminology and things like that. But it's been, it's been an eye-opening experience, and I appreciate you all hosting me here today at, at the facilities here in Austin. Um, I'd like to thank Steve Weingart, Austin Holt, and Fiona Pattinson with AppSec for joining us today on the Regarding ID podcast, and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks. Thanks.